0: show today's podcast is sponsored by shopify shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere giving entrepreneurs like myself the resources once reserved for only the biggest businesses to get a free 14-day trial and full access to shopify's entire suite of features go to shopify.com slash gold Coming off a three-day holiday weekend, stocks were off to a rough start on Tuesday. The Dow Jones down 543 points, about 1.5%, but the real damage on the NASDAQ, that index tanked by 2.25%, although the Russell 2000 was actually down by over 3%. But I think inside the NASDAQ, the stocks that got hit the hardest were the biggest winners of 2021, the most overpriced momentum stocks, the ones that comprise the portfolio for the ARC Innovation Fund. I've been talking about that. Kathy Wood's flagship fund down another 4% today, ARC Innovation. It's now down 52%, I think, from its high last year but as bad as the bloodbath was in the stock market it's even worse in the bond market in fact i think it's the bond market that's driving the stock train bonds are off to their worst annual start ever i think for the stock market this is just the worst start since 2016 i think maybe it's the third worst start over the last 30 years in fact both the nasdaq and the russell 2000 are down close to 7% so far this year. But it's the bonds that are really taking it on the chin. I think today was the worst day for the bond market since March of last year. This is the highest yields have been in over two years. Up almost 10 basis points today, the yield settled at one spot 865 on the 10 year, 30 year 2.184. These are still very, very low yields. But what's important is the trajectory and how much higher these yields can climb. In fact, if you look at the forecast now, most people are expecting now five rate hikes in 2022. In fact, a lot of people think the first rate hike, which is going to come in March, may even be 50 basis points. So we would lift off with a 50 basis point hike. In fact, Bill Ackman is one of the people advocating for the 50 basis point surprise hike. He's calling it shock and awe the ridiculous part about it is that 50 basis points is almost as ridiculous as 25 basis points. It's not shock and awe when you're talking about 7% inflation and move from zero to 50 basis points is still recklessly low interest rates and for a fed that's actually serious about fighting inflation raising interest rates to 50 basis points is not nearly enough for the task at hand yet given the incredible amount of leverage that's in the system a 50 basis point rate hike can still do a lot of damage and i think bill ackman is underestimating the extent of the damage but not just the damage from the initial hike But from all the subsequent hikes, which aren't going to do any good about slowing down this inflation freight train. In fact, look at the price of oil I mentioned on my podcast last week that I thought we would hit a new high in oil prices this week. And we did. In fact, as I'm recording this podcast, we're almost at $86 a barrel. We're at $85.93. The market is still trading up $2.63 today. This is a seven-year high in the price of oil. But if you look at a chart, there is a lot of room for the oil price to keep going up. In fact, oil prices could be up more in 2022 than they were in 2021. And in fact, a lot of the energy cost increases from last year were absorbed by the producers. It's 2022 where they're going to get around the passing on those hikes to the consumers. So there is going to be a lot more upward pressure on the CPI despite the Fed's rate hikes. Even if we get them, even if we get more than the market expects, it still won't be enough to stop inflation from getting worse. And it seems clear that the bond market is slowly starting to pick up On this reality now when it fully grasps it the dollar will be tanking it won't rally like it did today today we had some strength in the dollar but at least the gold market didn't sell off now it didn't rally but one market that did was silver the price of silver was up about 50 cents an ounce today we closed around 23 and a half That is a big move, especially on the day where the price of gold slipped about $5 an ounce. You don't normally see silver prices that strong unless you have a strong day in the gold market. But this really shows you the underlying strength in the commodity complex due to all the inflation that is already baked in this cake. But gold had a hard time rising today against that backdrop of surging bond yields but at some point investors are going to realize that surging nominal yields mean nothing to the gold market because real yields are not rising the fed is so far behind the curve and even if real yields were rising meaning that negative yields were becoming less negative Any negative yield is a positive for gold because you don't want to lose money in bonds. Whether you're losing 3% a year or 5% a year or 7% a year, all that is bad. You want to avoid losses. And one way to avoid losses is by owning gold. And more people are going to recognize that gold is a much better alternative than negative yielding bonds in fact negative yielding bonds are even worse than negative yielding cash because at least when you have cash you're not losing the market price of your cash the way you're losing in bonds because bond prices are falling along with the value of the cash that they're denominated in and in fact One of the reasons that we had the big rally in silver today and gold did rally at one point this morning, it was down about $15 and it rallied. This was before the stock market opened because we got some economic news that surprised a lot of people in how weak it was. It was the January Empire State Manufacturing Index And this number was at 31.9 in December. And the consensus was for a slight decline to 26% in January. In fact, the range of estimates went from plus 21 to plus 32 and a half. The number came out at minus 0.7, way outside of the range of estimates. In fact, it was a negative number. It indicates contraction. That is the type of number you get during a recession. And this is what I have been warning about the entire time. The Fed is now starting its tightening campaign as the economy is rolling over. The economy is getting weaker and they haven't even begun to raise rates yet. Look at the numbers I talked about for retail sales for December I spoke about that on my last podcast. The numbers are getting weaker on the economy as the numbers on inflation are getting stronger. It is stagflation. This is the perfect storm. The Fed has got itself in a box. There is no way out. And the fact that the Fed is in this no-win situation on inflation should not surprise anybody this was the most obvious outcome that nobody wanted to acknowledge. I have been warning about this since the beginning. You go back to 2009 when Ben Bernanke first came up with his cockamamie idea of quantitative easing and 0% interest rates. What did I say back then? This was going to unleash inflation and then the Fed was going to be in an impossible position because it's going to be unable to rein in the inflation that it let loose. In fact for all the years that the Fed was claiming that inflation was too low and of course this was just an excuse to hide behind to justify its reckless monetary policy but when inflation was below two percent at least based on the official way they measure it Of course, unofficially, it was never below 2%. We had inflation above 2% the whole time. The government was just pretending it was below 2% so they can claim we needed more of it. And of course, I always argued that the whole premise that we need more inflation was nonsense to begin with, so that even if inflation was 1.5%, there was no reason to try to drive it up to 2%. In fact, if it's 1.5%, it could be lower because 1% is better than 1.5%. But the Fed pretended that 1.5% was a problem, and they were going to solve that problem by pursuing policies to get the inflation rate up to 2%. And they often lamented the fact that they had been trying for years to To get inflation higher and they weren't able to succeed and they kept saying that you know we know how to deal with inflation that's easy if inflation is too high well we just raise interest rates we tighten policy we know how to deal with a problem of too much inflation What we don't understand is how to deal with too little. This is uncharted territory. So we're really trying to grapple with this difficult problem. But, you know, if we ever overshoot, if we end up with too much inflation, well, that's an easy problem to solve. We know how to do that. This is what the Fed was saying. And I was saying at the time, these guys are crazy because the last thing they want is to have to deal with an inflation problem. Sure, they may have the tools but there's no way they're going to use the tools because if they use the tools that they know they have and that they claim will work, they will destroy the bubble economy that they created. See, the Fed has been operating, looking in the rearview mirror for over a decade. What they do is they print all this money, keep interest rates artificially low, do QE, and then they look back at the CPI or the core CPI or the personal consumption expenditure index, whatever measure they like. And as long as that number is below 2%, they think the road ahead is clear and they they keep on printing money, they keep on stimulating, looking back over their shoulder, seeing where the inflation numbers are. And then all of a sudden, they look forward and they see 7% CPI in 2021. And of course, there was evidence that inflation was going to be bad early in 2021 but of course they ignored all that they kept saying well this can't be this is transitory right we know that we have low inflation we've been in this low inflation environment so whatever we're seeing it must be related to COVID it must be related to the economy reopening oh it's got to be about supply chain bottlenecks meanwhile they're ignoring all the money they're printing because they had been printing money for years and years and years and the CPI was below two percent well now because they printed so much money because they were looking in the rearview mirror instead of looking ahead like I was doing from the beginning now all of a sudden they're in this situation they've got seven percent inflation they can't slam on the brakes So now they're trying to come up with some way to ease their foot off the gas, but that is impossible because that's not going to slow down the inflation. So the Fed made this bed and now we all have to lie in it because they were too loose for too long and they've let loose the mother of all inflation genies and everything they're talking about doing is inadequate to actually put a stop to it. And of course, what they're doing operates with a lag. That's why I've been saying a lot of the inflation that we're experiencing now, today, isn't even the inflation that was unleashed during covid we're actually experiencing a lot of the price increases that is the result of the money they printed years ago the money we printed last year their money we're printing this year we may be dealing with that inflation in 2023 2024 whatever baby steps the fed makes now to push back against that tide we're not going to feel that for years and so interest rates have to keep going up that is the problem that the stock market hasn't even really begun to grapple with. Even though you're seeing the big decline, particularly in these high-priced momentum stocks, in fact, the average stock now is trading 38% below its 52-week high. That is solidly in bear market territory. Even though the overall averages are not quite there yet, many of the stocks that comprise the averages are solidly in bear markets, but they're going to continue to go down because inflation is going to keep getting worse. The CPI is going to be under intense pressure from rising prices. And as more businesses pass on those higher costs to their customers, it is going to show up. And now the Fed is going to have to constantly talk about more rate hikes, more aggressive rate hikes, and the markets are going to continue to fall until ultimately they fall sufficiently for the fed to have to call off the hikes and start reversing policy and in fact a lot of people already know this that's one of the reasons that the market hasn't already fallen by more because a lot of people recognize that a pal put is out there even if the fed wants to pretend it doesn't exist everybody knows that there is a point where the fed is going to cave they can only talk about hiking rates for so long And remember, they haven't done anything yet. All they've done is talk. Rates are still at zero. Maybe they've tapered their asset purchase program back a little bit, but they haven't stopped it. They're still purchasing bonds. Bonds are tanking, even though the Federal Reserve is still buying. And you know, I looked at some data today showing that foreigners and foreign central banks, for whatever reason, are still buying treasuries despite all that buying they're still falling now at some point the foreigners aren't going to buy any more treasuries they're also not going to buy any more of our overpriced stocks. Shopify believes in liberating commerce for all because entrepreneurship has the power to drive communities forward and commerce can be a force for good. so supercharge your knowledge your sales and your success to get a free 14day trial go to shopify.com gold all lowercase. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving you the resources once reserved for only the biggest businesses. And it's all customized just for you with a great looking online store that brings your idea to life and provides you the tools to manage and drive sales. Making your idea real opens endless possibilities. I know from personal experience that starting a business isn't easy, but it's a lot easier if you partner up with Shopify. I love how Shopify makes it easier for anyone to successfully run their own business. Shopify powers millions of entrepreneurs From their first sale to full scale. And every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. So get started by building and customizing your own online store with no coding or design experience. Access powerful tools to help you find customers, drive sales, and then manage your business day to day. Gain knowledge and confidence with resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you these are the possibilities and they're powered by shopify so just go to shopify.com gold today all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to shopify's entire suite of features start selling on shopify today go to shopify.com gold right now again i talked about this huge rotation going on from u.s momentum to international value it happened again today. There was a lot of green on my screen. Even as the Dow was down 550 points, most of my non-gold stocks were up today. All of my oil stocks hit new 52-week highs today, but all the telecom stocks, I talked about those, those had solid gains, 1%, 2 3% gains today. Look at British American Tobacco. I mentioned that On the podcast, up another 2% today. New 52-week high. It's up better than 15% so far this calendar year. It's up about 30% from its low in November of last year. This is a huge move on no news. So what is driving the price of this stock up? Again, it's investors rotating out of momentum stocks into value. They can't rotate into bonds Bonds are crashing. They can't rotate into cash because inflation is going to wipe that out. So they're doing the only logical thing, something they should have done years ago, something that I did do years ago. I did it too early, but that's because I understood from the beginning exactly where this journey was going to end up. But people are now figuring it out and they're getting rid of these stocks and they are buying international value stocks. It's only a matter of time before they start dumping the dollar too Because if you're going to rotate from U.S. to foreign stocks, you're rotating from the dollar to foreign currencies. And that's going to be an even bigger problem that's going to complicate the inflation problem because we have been able to survive with these massive trade deficits because foreigners have been willing to take the dollars they earn selling us stuff and buying our stocks. But they're not going to want our stocks anymore. They don't pay good dividends and they're going down. They sure as hell don't want our bonds. I mean, I don't know who bought them recently, but obviously bonds are crashing because people want to get out. And even though the yield on a 10-year treasury is 1.865, right, the highest in two years, that's a lousy yield. If inflation is 7%, that's minus 5. Who wants to lose 5% a year for the next 10 years? If you own treasuries, you want out. The only people that maybe were in these things were momentum traders who thought that overpriced treasuries could go even more overpriced. But what they were doing, they were picking up pennies in front of steamrollers and now they've been plowed. Nobody is going to make that mistake again. Everybody wants out of U.S. Treasuries. And apparently, so does the Federal Reserve because the Fed is saying, we're not going to buy them anymore. As a matter of fact, we're going to sell them too. So if the Federal Reserve is selling Treasuries and we know the Treasury is selling Treasuries and in fact, government trust funds like the Social Security Trust Fund, it's selling treasuries because all these people who left the workforce, well, they're not paying social security taxes anymore. But all the people who retired early, they're collecting. So everybody is a seller of treasuries. There are no buyers. So treasury prices have to keep on falling. But if we can't recycle our trade deficits into our stocks or our bonds, What are foreigners going to do with all the dollars that they earn selling us all the stuff that we buy? Nothing. They're just going to dump them on the foreign exchange markets. We're not going to stop buying their stuff. We need their stuff. We don't make the stuff ourselves, but we print plenty of money and everybody's got that and we all want to buy stuff. But foreigners don't want to take our dollars anymore because they don't want our bonds. They don't want our stocks. And we don't have anything for them to buy because they want the same stuff that we do. They want to buy what they're producing. And that's what they're going to do. And the dollar is going to tank. And that is going to fuel the inflation fire and put even more upward pressure on bonds. This is the perfect storm that I've been talking about. It is a death spiral. Because the more inflation we get, the more people don't want to own bonds. And as higher inflation drives people out of bonds and out of the dollar, that drives inflation even higher. And it's a self-perpetuating death spiral of falling bonds, falling dollar, rising inflation. All of this is going to take a heavy toll on the economy, ultimately on levels of employment, everything is going to implode. And then what is the Fed going to do? Because everything the Fed has done in the past won't work. Just like all the investments that worked in the last decade when the bubble was inflating are not working now as the air is coming out, none of the Fed's policies that it thought worked in the past are going to work in the future because they only worked when inflation was low. And they can get away with stimulus and quantitative easing and 0% interest rates. And the only reason the government was able to bail out an economy in recession with stimulative fiscal policy, meaning cutting taxes, increasing spending. The only way they were able to get away with that is if the Fed was able to finance it by printing the money. But the only reason the Fed was able to print the money was because the money didn't lose value and bond yields stayed low. Those days are over. The problem is now inflation. And the problem is that the economy is going to be driven into recession by inflation. So what is the Fed's normal cure For a weak economy well it's to create inflation it's to print more money but inflation is driving the problem so you can't get out of an inflation-induced recession by creating more inflation because you make the problem worse and if the Fed focuses on fighting inflation we don't just get a recession we get a financial crisis followed by a depression Because the last time we had a financial crisis back in 2008, what happened? We bailed everybody out. But we can't bail anybody out and fight inflation at the same time. You see, back in 2009, they didn't have to fight inflation. The dollar was rising. Bond prices were rising. So the Fed was able to print all this money. And so the government was able to borrow and spend all this money. And we had money for bailouts. We can do the TARP, right? We can bail out homeowners we can stimulate the economy but none of this is going to be possible in this downturn in fact the opposite is going to have to happen the Fed is going to have to be pursuing a contractionary monetary policy which is going to force the government to pursue a contractionary fiscal policy into the recession and so that means instead of cutting people's taxes people's taxes are going to go up Instead of spending more money on government programs, the government's going to have to spend less money on the programs it already has. And nobody can get a bailout because the government doesn't have any money to bail anybody out. So the asset price collapse is going to continue uninterrupted. And the losses are not going to be mitigated by the government or the Federal Reserve. This is the position that we're headed to. Now, again, the only way that we can avoid this is for the Fed not to do what it's saying it's going to do. The Fed has to abandon the tightening. The Fed has to say, oh, we were just kidding. We're not going to raise rates. We're going to keep them at zero. Oh, we were just kidding about... Quantitative tightening, we're going to keep QE going permanently. We're going to keep on printing money. The problem is they can't admit that because the only reason that they could do it before was because somehow they convinced the world that it was temporary, that it was an emergency. Again, that is what Ben Bernanke told everybody in 2009. And everybody in Congress agreed. Of course, I wasn't in Congress, I didn't agree. I knew he was lying then, and I said he was lying. I knew that the moment they made the mistake of doing quantitative easing, that they could never get out of it. That we were, in fact, a banana republic. That we were monetizing our debt. Ben Bernanke said, no, we're not monetizing our debt because we're only doing this temporarily. And to this day... Everybody still believes that it's temporary. People still think the Fed is going to shrink its balance sheet, even though shrinking it is impossible. In fact, they proved that. They tried to shrink it. And in 2018, everything collapsed and they had to reverse course. And as soon as we got COVID, they blew it up to a level that was far higher than anything prior to the first attempt to shrink it. That alone should have proved to the market that that what the Fed pretended it was going to do under Bernanke was completely impossible to do under any of his successors. But once the Fed has to do this about face, and they are going to do it, the only question is how much pain are the markets going to endure? How much pain will the economy endure before the political pressure becomes too painful for the Fed to ignore? But once they have to come clean, about what's happening then it doesn't work QE doesn't work if people know it's permanent because no one's going to want to hold on the dollars no one's going to want to hold on the bonds And that's when the inflation problem gets ugly. That's when it starts spiraling out of control. And again, I think the very first thing that they're going to do is price controls. And we may have price controls before the end of this Biden term because they're already blaming inflation on businesses, on greedy corporations gouging the customers. And so the only way they're going to be able to react to surging prices is to pass laws making it illegal to raise prices and that may buy them a little time but of course that's going to make the problem worse it's going to result in even bigger shortages than the ones we have now it's going to result in black markets a lot of the things that I've been warning about for the last decade are finally going to happen and again a lot of people wanted to call me a perma bear a broken record a chicken little because I've been talking about this stuff for a decade, yes, I have been talking about it because I knew it was gonna happen for a decade. I just didn't know how long it would take to get started. Well, now we know it is starting now. It hasn't actually happened yet, but the beginning of the end has started. It's obvious from everything that's going on, right? Just like you know when I was involved in the short of the subprime mortgage market and for years I had been talking about the housing bubble and how it was gonna pop when subprime blew up in 2007 and everything I had been warning about and worried about happened. I knew that financial crisis was just around the corner because I knew that it would get started in the housing market. And I knew the collapse in the housing market would start with subprime. That was part of my forecast the whole time. And so when the first part came true, I knew that the rest of it would come true. But most of the people were still oblivious. And if you go back and look at my interviews that I did on CNBC and Fox in 2007, after the subprime market had already blew up... Everybody was completely complacent. Nobody thought there was anything to worry about. Everything was contained just like the Fed said it was. I knew it wasn't because what had happened was exactly what I knew was going to happen and what I've been warning about for years. Whereas all the people that were complacent and not worried about it, they were completely blindsided by what happened because they didn't expect it and they didn't understand the significance. Well, the same thing is happening now. They don't understand the significance of what's happening with consumer prices Because it wasn't part of their forecast. I understand because I've been expecting it for years. The fact that it took this long to happen doesn't mean I was wrong. It just means that I was early. But that was the same thing with the housing. I was right on that and early. I'm right on this. I was just even earlier. But here's the problem. Because it took us so long to finally get to this point where the Fed is in this position, it's now in a far more vulnerable position than it would have been in had we got there sooner because it has a much bigger bubble on its hands. We have far more debt. The economy is far more leveraged. All facets of the economy, private sector, public sector, the financial markets have never been this overvalued. Stocks, bonds, real estate. And look at the craziness that was going on. Meme stocks cryptocurrencies. I mean, the Fed has blown up the mother of all asset bubbles, and now it's trying to take the punch bowl away. It's trying to raise interest rates in this economy with all this leverage. It is impossible. And when the markets grasp the impossibility of that task and accept the inevitable, which is what I've been forecasting for a decade, the bottom is going to drop out of the dollar and we're going to get the real crash. Remember, that is the title of my most recent book but I still wrote it back in 2013. And remember, the reason I call that book The Real Crash is because a lot of people thought that the crash of 2008, which happened a year after my book Crash Proof came out in 2007, people thought that was the crash that I was writing about. It wasn't. The crash that I was writing about in my 2007 book is the one that's about to happen. I just thought that the crash would be set in motion by the bursting of the housing bubble and the financial crisis. Because my premise in that book was we had a housing bubble that was caused by artificially low interest rates. The housing bubble was going to pop. We were going to have a financial crisis. The Fed was going to respond to the financial crisis by doing QE and slashing interest rates. And that was going to cause the dollar to crash. And then we're going to have this big inflation problem and sovereign debt problem. That's the real crash. That's the one that's coming. The bond market hasn't crashed yet. The dollar hasn't crashed yet but it's going to in fact those markets are going to crash in an even more spectacular fashion because it took them so long they're crashing from a much higher plateau and the ultimate rise in the price of gold and silver is going to be even more spectacular people make fun of me because back then i was talking about $5000 gold but remember when gold was below 300 i was talking about $1000 gold and we got there and then i started talking about $5000 gold and we didn't quite get there. We got to almost 2000 before we had a correction that went on for a decade. But now because of all the money that we printed during that decade and all the money we're going to print in this decade, my $5,000 target is now too low. The price of gold is going to go much higher than the $5,000 price target I once had. Now it's probably 10000 maybe 20000 Who knows? But it's not the gold going up. It's the dollar going down. It's the value of U.S. currency collapsing. And you're going to need more and more U.S. currency to buy an ounce of gold. In fact, you're going to need more and more U.S. currency to buy anything, maybe with the exception of cryptocurrencies, because those are the only things that it could go down more than the dollar. And in fact, speaking about cryptocurrencies, shares of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust got killed again today, down six and a half percent. A new low, we got to about a 27% discount to NAV. These shares are now down about 52% from last year's high. People are getting killed. You know, despite this unprecedented advertising blitz on CNBC, where every day their viewers are bombarded with ads to buy the Grayscale Trust, they are getting killed. And not only were the viewers bombarded with ads, but all the editorial content was biased in favor of Bitcoin, pumping, 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 and yet this thing is down 52%. It's much weaker than Bitcoin itself and I think that's an ominous sign for Bitcoin. Again, Grayscale competes with Bitcoin because if you like Bitcoin, why not buy Grayscale? Because you're getting the Bitcoin 27% off. Even though the fund has a big management fee, it ain't that big. I mean, you got years and years and years before the fee eats away at that discount. Meanwhile, if it ever becomes an ETF, you're gonna get NAV. So if you're bullish on Bitcoin, it makes no sense to buy it, just buy the Grayscale Trust. Of course, I'm not gonna buy that trust either because I'm bearish on Bitcoin and I think the trust is gonna keep going down. But ultimately, I think the discount is going to narrow, not because the Grayscale Trust goes up, but because Bitcoin comes crashing down. In fact, Grayscale Trust used to be the biggest buyer of Bitcoin. Now it's the seller. How do you think they raise their management fees? They gotta go into the market and sell Bitcoin they're buying Bitcoin days are over they're never going to buy another Bitcoin again they don't need to because there's no money coming into the trust because anybody who wants in just buys the shares why would you give grayscale money to buy their shares at NAV when you can just buy them off of somebody who already owns them at 27% below NAV you won't so they're no longer buying they're selling pretty soon everybody is going to be selling look at El Salvador how far underwater they are in fact they just had their bonds downgraded and the crazy president of El Salvador Salvador is bragging about that on Twitter he doesn't give a damn that his bonds were just downgraded because he's losing so much money in Bitcoin and he's committed to losing even more I don't know how much more Michael Saylor is going to be able to put in look at his MicroStrategy shares down another five and a half percent today that stock is now down about 65 percent from its highs and it still has a long way to drop especially when Bitcoin finally cracks. You know, it held up pretty well today. Actually, I was surprised. I would have thought it would have been weaker. It was trading around 41500 or so, holding that 41000 level. In fact, it never traded below 41000 And as I am recording this podcast, we just had about a $1,000 rally around the close or a little bit after the close of the U.S. stock market. So we're trading around 42500 But again, getting out of Bitcoin and other cryptos, and into gold or silver is part of the rotation nothing that worked well during the decade of the bubble is going to work as the air is coming out the Fed may be providing easy money but it's not easy enough to maintain these asset bubbles this loose monetary policy is too tight for an over leveraged economy and for an asset bubble but it's not tight enough it's still too loose to fight inflation So inflation is going to keep getting worse, but the economy is going to keep weakening. The markets are going to keep falling, which also creates a reverse wealth effect that weakens the economy. People are going to be getting poorer as their assets are losing value but even more poor as the cost of goods and services keeps going up. So all the stuff they have to buy is getting more and more expensive while all the stuff they own is getting cheaper and cheaper. Now they can put a stop to the bleeding by getting out of that overpriced stuff like I'm suggesting and moving into real assets outside the United States. I know I've been advising that people do that for years and obviously my advice was too early but for the people that never heeded at all it wasn't early enough because if you're just a day late, you've missed the boat. You've got to be on board. You've got to be prepared. Now, following my advice today is a lot better than having followed it 10 years ago because you could have stayed in the NASDAQ for 10 years and then switch now. But how many people will actually do that? Very few most people that rode the market up are never going to recognize that the situation has turned. They are still wedded to these stocks. They're in love with these positions. They buy the dip. They've been trained reflexively. Don't worry. Whenever the market goes down, it's going to come back up again. So most people are not going to get out. They're going to make the round trip. In fact, it's going to be worse than the round trip. They're going to end up with less money than they started, especially if you adjusted for inflation. Then the loss, are going to be enormous. In fact, I think this year, 2022, could be the biggest year yet for outperformance of foreign stocks versus domestic, especially the value-oriented dividend-paying stocks that comprise my portfolio's and the overpriced momentum meme type stocks that comprise the typical portfolio of the American investor. And all these guys, you know, they were making fun of me because, you know, they were making more money on paper than I was. Sure, I was collecting a lot of dividends. They weren't collecting any, but they had all these paper profits and they were making fun of me. You know, it reminds me of the Aesop fable of the tortoise and the hare. And this is a story about a race obviously a rabbit is a lot faster than a turtle and he's going to win the race and in fact the hare gets out to a big lead and he's so far in front of the tortoise that he decides he's just going to take a nap after all he can catch some z's and still wake up in plenty of time to beat that tortoise across the finish line well He's pretty cocky. He thinks he could wake up in time, but I guess he doesn't set his alarm. He sleeps. And while he's sleeping, the tortoise manages to cross the finish line before he wakes up. Well, there's a lot of investors who are going to get caught napping. They're sitting on a big lead right now, but they're asleep. They're going to be oblivious to what's going on, or even if they see it, they're going to be in denial. They're still going to be holding on to the stocks that are responsible for the big lead. Well, they're going to blow the lead, and I'm going to come across the finish line first. I am that tortoise, slow and steady. I'm going to win this race, and if you want to be in the winner's circle with me, it's not too late to adopt the same investment strategy that I've got. And I'm helping all of my clients do that. If you're not now a client, become one. Pick up the phone, contact one of the representatives at your Pacific Capital, your Pacific Asset Management. We can help you build a portfolio. There's still time to do this. Now, one of these days, you'll be out of time. If you've been in this casino, you've already overstayed your welcome. Don't press your luck. Get out while you still can and build a portfolio of non-US stocks while you can still afford to buy them and get out of the fool's gold Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies if you want out of fiat money if you want a true store of value a true inflation hedge buy yourself some gold and silver maybe today's 50% move up in the price of silver on a down day for gold is a warning sign of things to come so heed that warning and act (music)